Well, I do have a message tonight. This one's maybe a little different than what you're used to, but this one tonight I'm going to be preaching about the influence of music. The influence of music. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, be taking our text from, and just want to look at one verse right there to begin with, Exodus 15 and 1. When you get there, if you're able to stand, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Exodus 15 in verse 1, the Bible says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you tonight asking for your help. Lord, thank you for the good spirit that we've had this far. God, for the good singing, the special singing, the choir singing. But God, we need your help. We need you to preach it for us, God. Help us and keep me out of the way tonight, Lord. And may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Well, that first verse there of this chapter, uh, the, the chapter goes on to talk, or to have the whole song, but we refer to this as uh, the Song of Moses. It's actually the first recorded song in the Bible. Now, the Bible does talk about other things about music and uh, singing and songs, just like in Job 38 and 7. The Bible says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And we know the book of Job uh, actually was probably the first book of the Bible written. That wasn't Genesis. It's not in, tri or in chronological order, no doubt. But uh, these things that occurred there, this singing, this was way before uh, all these things that Moses took place. But uh, this is the first recorded song in the Bible. And so... There has been some type of singing ever since the creation of the world, but uh, this Song of Moses is the one that we find that the Bible mentions. So, as you may or may not know, the Song of Moses uh, was actually right after that uh, they had been able to go over off the dry, on the dry land as they crossed the sea, as Moses parted and they got across, and then God caused that water to come and, and drown and swallow up uh, those that were after them. They were on his army that the, that water swallowed up. And so when they get across on the other side and they're finally free from Egypt's bondage, they stand there and they start this song. Uh, then St. Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord. I want you to pay attention to that. Who they sang the song to. Mm -hmm. It was to the Lord. All capital letters, L-O-R-D, right here in your King James Bible. That means it's indicating the Lord God Jehovah. When you see all that put together in capital letters, that's what that means. The Lord God Jehovah. Uh, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. It's the Jewish national name for God is what that means. It's the self-existing one or the eternal one is what that word actually means. And so they're not singing it uh, about each other. Not, they're not singing it even about Moses, the great leader. They're not singing about all these other things. They're singing about the Lord and to the Lord and giving praises to the Lord yep. and no one else. Now, I know there are varying differences in people's preferences when it comes to music. Uh, I know I've got a lot of different... I enjoy a lot of different types of music. Not just gospel music or or what we would call Christian music. But I grew up in a home that was very musical. If your last name's Chesney, you're going to have music in your blood somewhere. You're going to play an instrument. You're going to sing. You're going to do something. And that's just all there is to it. Our family get-togethers, we sang. We played instruments. Dad played the guitar. I played the guitar. Both my sisters played the piano. Mom sang. Mom could play the piano. She hardly ever would. 
And uh, we just, and my wife sings, and we just, when we got together, that's what we did. We sat around in the living room and sang songs. And it was usually out of that good old red-back church hymnal. Right here, right here it is. The old red-back church hymnal. I grew up on this book right here. This is where I learned to read music. I learned how to read music with this book. Uh, they'd open it up, and, and uh, we, I had many choir leaders and uh, instruction. I had one pastor that took me under his wing, and he taught me about the hymns. He gave me books about the hymn writers and why they wrote the songs and had me study those. So that was right before I become a song leader. Uh, I was a song leader uh, for a long time. Uh, but this book right here, we do it back and forth. I mean, all we did was call out page numbers. We didn't have to say the name of the song. We'd say 219, I'm my way back home. 333, Brother Scott sung it. I said, I know what that is. That's I'll fly away. Uh, page 20 is, He's My King. It's just on and on and on. We know those. 92, How We Talk With Jesus. That was my personal favorite. But we knew the songs back and forth. Uh, my mother, uh, on her in her last days, when me and Mary went to North Carolina to visit her, she could barely walk. Uh, she couldn't sing hardly herself at all. And she had us go into Jennifer's. Jennifer lives there. So we were at my sister Jennifer's house, and she had the piano. And we gathered around that piano, and Mom told us the songs she wanted us to sing. And we sang them, and she recorded them on her phone. And in those last weeks of her life, she clung to those songs and listened to those songs. People would come into her room, and she'd, she'd say, listen to this, this song. Listen, this is my family singing these songs right here. And you wouldn't believe all the people that she was able to reach through just that. And I said, Mom, don't play those things. They sound terrible. We were awful about that. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it just brought so much joy to her. Uh, and th that's what songs will do, the, the right songs. They'll bring joy to you. Yeah. Well, all those songs and that music that I grew up listening to and singing had a great influence on my life. Um, it gave me proper perspective for who God is and, and what to expect of God and how to glorify God and how He prepared a place for us in heaven. All those things were in those songs, those hymn writers had, I believe some of the hymn writers were inspired by God to write some of those songs that they sang. And if you've ever read the histories and background of a lot of those, you'll find that to be the truth. Now, some people absolutely hate this book right here. I know it's not a Baptist hymn book. It's a Church of God hymn book. Okay? If you didn't know that, it's Church of God hymn book. But it's been the hymn book of Baptist churches in East Tennessee ever since it came out, what was it, 1957 or something like that. That's the book that we use. We love it because it, the, the harmony in it and because we're able to follow the songs. And the songs have so much meaning in them, so much glorification of the Lord. And some people say, well, now, some of those songs in there shouldn't, there shouldn't be sung in church. You know? uh, I bought some hymn books off of Amazon, and I gave a, uh, some of these, and I, and I gave my comment there about how great of a book it was. And some guy comes along and he says, that's a terrible book. It doesn't glorify the Lord and all this stuff. Well, that just got me going. I, you know, I, I had to write a big, long thing about songs, and, and I picked certain ones out, and I told, I showed them where all the things about the Lord was, and he pointed out uh, uh, the song about, uh, I've got a mansion over the hill top. He said, that's the most ungodly song I picked. I pointed out every piece of, of Bible scripture out of that song in there and, and gave it. And I'll tell you what, friends, that is a good book. I've had more than one person tell me I'll never go to a church you pastor because you always pastor those churches that sing out a red back church hymnal. I said, well, that's okay because if you don't like the red back church hymnal, you probably don't like the King James Bible. You probably don't like hard preaching. So you probably don't fit in anyway. So 
Uh, there's plenty of places you can go where they sing fleshly contemporary songs and they sing the, uh, the 7-Eleven songs and they put the screen up and they do their hands up and they sway back and forth and sing the seven, same seven words seven times or eleven times, whatever it's called, 7-Eleven. Uh, I'll tell you, I, just, I don't go for that. I do not go for that. Uh, but the truth is, uh, the type of music you listen to greatly influences your life. Yeah. Yeah. It influences you. Back in the 1700s, there was a Scottish, Scottish writer and politician. His name was Andrew Fletcher. Mr. Fletcher is quoted as saying, Let me make a nation's music, and I care not who makes her laws. I will control that nation. You better believe that's the truth. If you can control the nation's music and songs and lyrics, you can control that nation. Music has a great influence on us. It controls people. And it begins really when you're a baby and your mother starts singing those lullabies and singing those little songs to you to calm you down. And so you associate those little songs with soothing and calmness. And, and it, it just kind of soothes your soul. You can hear the, the, the little song you know, your mom might have sang to you. And oh, how it just it feels so good, you know. And my wife used to go to my kids' room and sing, He Touched Me, while they were laying there in bed. He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And I'd go in there and sing the old ship of Zion to them. At the stern of the ship. And, and my daughters will tell you to, today, they remember those songs. And we sang those when they were just little bitty tiny uh, kids. But it has great influence upon them. Uh, as we get older, we become acquainted with songs, and certain ones will have a certain effect on you, such as if I sing this, Happy birthday to you, immediately you envision sitting there in front of a table with a cake with uh, candles on it and somebody blowing them out right before you sing that song, or right after you sing the song, or whatever. We associate that song with somebody's birthday. And, and other things, you know, uh, it sets the tone for a celebration. You can start playing a Christmas song, and it's already set the, the, the tone for a Christmas time. Uh, when I hear Reno and Smiley start singing, I'm using my Bible for a roadmap. My mind goes back to my daddy's pickup truck. Me and him going to the lake, him pulling the boat. He's got the old tape in the, in the tape deck in the truck. And I'm using my Bible for a roadmap. Ten commandments, they tell me what to do. He listened to a lot of bluegrass gospel music, and boy, it made an influence on my life. When I hear Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata or Furry Lease, my mind goes back to my sister Pam, who's now passed away from leukemia. She sat there on that piano and she could play those songs. I mean, she, she could have been a professional pianist. Uh, my sister Jennifer, the same way. And uh, I think about that. My mind goes back to my parents' living room and seeing my sisters playing those songs. If I hear, I've been to Calvary. And I can say I've seen the Lord. My mother is right there in my vision. Standing there at that church pew singing that song. Or standing in the window in the summertime. The wind is all up. We didn't have air conditioner. She listened to WKXB radio and she'd sing along with those good gospel songs that come over there. And I'd hear her. I'd play in the backyard and she'd have the winds open. She'd be singing to the top of her lungs all them old gospel songs. But the average American teenager... Spends four to five hours a day listening to music or watching music videos uh, and television. They say the average teenager is exposed to 14,000 sexual references each year through music. Uh, they are getting bombarded 
with things through the music that they listen to. The American Academy of Pediatrics reported back in 1999, it's been a while now, 1999, they, uh, they said they took a thousand studies they had been done that tied exposure to mass media, including music lyrics, lyrics to violence. And so just listening to the lyrics and music would make young people violent just by listening to it. But when it comes to the music, we must be very careful, especially in church, that we do not allow the world's music into the church, the worldly music. And somebody might say, well, what's, what's that mean? What's worldly music? Well, if it appeals to your flesh, it's probably worldly. If the first thing you want to do is do a hold down and, and, and things when you hear it coming, you know, I get excited now. I'll tell you, when I hear a good Christian music, when I, you know, y'all was singing up here, singing those specials, I got excited. You know, I might put my tap and I might want to, you know, kind of move around. But now if it makes me feel like I need to go to a hold down or something, I know that something's wrong. If I walk into church and I can't tell the part from a rock concert, I'm in the wrong place. It don't belong in church. And so we've got to be careful that we don't allow the church music to creep, let the world's music creep in. And it's happening all over this land. I've been to some, some churches that used to be good, solid churches. I mean, they sang the old hymns and uh, worshiped the right way. And I went back and they've changed. They, they took the hymn books out. They put the words on the wall. The, they've got the, uh, the, the modern music and, and songs. They've got a guy behind the glass playing drums and everything else. Friends, it just don't feel like a, a godly environment to me. Now, this, that may upset some people. They don't find anything wrong with that type of thing. I'm just telling you how I feel and, and the way the Lord uh, deals with me when it comes to music. Now, in our New Testament, the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he's giving them instructions on proper conduct, how to worship and behavior among church members. Listen to what he said, Ephesians 5, 19. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I find in a lot of places the songs are not to the Lord. Not even really about the Lord, but more about self. More about how I feel, how good I'm feeling, how much I've done. Look at me. It needs to be about the Lord, but Paul said for the church, we're to, to uh, speak our, your, ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I find those types of songs in this Redback Church, right. by the way. Yep. I do. I'm afraid much of the music being sang and played in churches today is far from being any of these songs or psalms or hymns or spiritual songs Paul's talking about. Now, like I said, you may enjoy that, but I don't. I feel like it's a rock and roll flesh show. And I've, I've copyrighted that phrase. And by the way, if you say it, you've got to pay me a dollar. It's a rock and roll flesh show is what I feel like. And uh, don't even get me started on drums. I'll make somebody here mad. But uh, turn over, if you want to, to the book, the book of 1 John. 1 John 2 and 15. And I want you to see something there. It's important. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, 
but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Does everybody here know what the duck test is? The duck test? Walks like a duck, talks like a duck, quacks like a duck. If it looks like a duck, it swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. All right? <laughs> Well, the same thing can be said about music. If it sounds like the world, reminds you of the world, and uses the world's beats and lyrics, then it's probably of the world and not of God. If we're loving the world's music and allowing it in their churches and, and trying to pass it off as spiritual hymns and songs and uh, 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 things like that, then that's a pretty scary uh, thing, if you ask me. Uh, Mary and I visited a, a church. It's a pretty big church down in Knoxville. And we, we went by the invitation of a, of a fellow preacher and who said it was just a wonderful, wonderful place to go and to visit. <laughs> so we went to visit, and uh, it's very crowded. We had to sit in the balcony, and uh, they had a stage filled full of flashing lights of different colors. It started out just dark. I mean, it was dark, and then, you know, they had these lights that come in and shining down on people. They had these big, huge screens that come down <coughs> from the ceiling. Uh, they had the <coughs> lyrics of these songs they were singing. They didn't have a choir. They had like a praise team. And boy, they were really getting it. It looked like a, a Richard Simmons workout video or something. You know, they were up there just <laughs> getting at it. And uh, they started playing that song. And I mean, here's how it started. Boom, 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 boom. And me and Mary's looking at each other. And we're like, what in the world are we doing? What are we doing here? And those lights, you know, flashing around and sparkling on people. And they had this guy out there. I guess he's the worship leader. And he's out there. And, and he's like, you know, yeah, over here. And over there. And then people up there, boy, they're just getting at it and everything. The songs didn't have any meaning at all in them. I, I didn't know none of them. They had them on the, on the screen. But it's just the same seven words over and over and over. And we were just trying to figure out how we were going to get out of there without making our friend mad, you know. And uh, that, that kept going on. And then all of a sudden, it, it's like the, the lights all came on and everything got calm. They said, now we're going to sing a few of those old familiar hymns that, that people seem to love or something like that. And they, they started playing, I believe it was Amazing Grace or something. They put it on the screen. And it's like all of a sudden, all that crazy stopped. And people were singing, Amazing Grace. And everybody knew the words. And, and you know it was it was so calm and peaceful, and then when that was over, there it was back in. Boom, boom, flash, flash. God was not in there. There was a spirit there, but it was not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Friends, I'm going. I'm going to tell you right now, and uh, I don't think I'm wrong. A lot of this mess going on in some of these churches is not of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's of a dark spirit. It's of a devilish spirit. And so we, we can't allow that kind of thing to go on within the church. Right. Uh, I honestly felt like I was wrong and need to repent of being in that place when we left there. Uh, it, was, it was awful. And I said, we, we would never, ever go back there. Um, a few years ago, my dad was telling me about a church out in California. Very popular. You've probably seen it on TV. They've got a big crystal cathedral. They decided to take out all of the negative words from the hymns. So they, they went through and had some guy go through and find words that seemed to uh, upset people or offend. That's what it was. They didn't want to offend people with certain words that was in, in the hymns. And so they took 
that, that song at the cross, written back in 1885 by Isaac Watts. You know, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Well, in that song, that part where it says, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? They said, we, we can't sing that in here. We can't call people worms. We can't say such a word as I. That's going to offend people. So they removed that word and they replaced it with the word one. And so now it says, For such a one as I. Isn't that nice? That's so lovely. That don't offend nobody, does it? Such a one as I. Well, that kind of sounds a little prideful right there to me. Yeah. Uh, or before, you know what it's talking about. <laughs> You're nothing but a worm when it comes to you know being in front of the God in front of God. But listen, that's utterly ridiculous. The writer of that hymn, he understood just exactly where he was when he stood in front of Almighty God. Nothing but a mere worm in his presence. Now I'm thankful that God loves worms. Yeah. Because I am one. I'm thankful that he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son here to die on the cross to save us. But I'm afraid in today's society, men and women believe themselves to be equal with God. Uh, or perhaps some believe themselves to be above God. And listen, you have to have the proper view of God and realize exactly how high and how holy and how exalted He must be. And how insignificant we are when it comes to Him. Now back in our opening text, they sang in Exodus 15, 11, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? And of course the answer is there's no one like the Lord. He and he alone is worthy to be praised. The psalmist writes in Psalm 71, 23, My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. Do you know you're going to find over 70 instances in the book of Psalms mentioning singing unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. 70 instances. I mean, that's just, that's a bunch. But the church music is not supposed to appeal to the world, actually. Uh, in fact, the purpose of the church service is not even to please the world. A lot of people say, well, church is to get people saved. Well, no, not really. The church was designed for Christians to come and congregate together for worship and to be instructed and, and to edify each other yeah. and to go outside of these walls and share the gospel. That's what the church was for. Now it's a great byproduct that a lost sinner can come in, hear the gospel, and get saved. But that's not the purpose of the church as a whole for congregating. But the worship service is we are to exalt God and to worship Him, as the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. Now you can't worship in spirit and truth when you're singing the words of the world. When it's the world's style of worship, the world's music, the world's teaching, the world's preaching. And when it comes to that, that means it's a failed church. I don't care if you have 10,000 people in attendance. If that's the way you're doing, you are a failed church. Yeah. I'd rather be in a church with five people than to be in, in a church with 5,000 worshiping the wrong way. Yeah. But the church is different. Our music should be different. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.15, that the, it's the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. There's no truth outside in this world. Mm. Truth is here. Truth is in the church. When somebody comes into the church, they should immediately realize that it's different than everywhere else. 
Yeah. These folks that blocked the driveway when we were pulling in, just parking on the road and walking down to the beer joint, they would know if they walked in here, this is not a beer joint. It's very different than where they're walking in tonight. Right. And if it ever got to the point where they couldn't tell the difference, it's time to close the doors, lock them up, and leave. Yeah. The church must be different. It must be opposite of the world. They need to hear the things of God in the church. Not a nightclub, not a disco, not a dancing club. No, the, the church is separated from the world, and so is its music. Their church music should put us in mind of the Lord when we hear it. Yeah. It shouldn't put us in mind of other things, of, of the world. It shouldn't appeal to our flesh. Christian music should exalt, should exalt Christ. It should edify the believer. And it should encourage our hearts. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't leave from here thinking, what in the world is that song they sung up there? We had a guy at one time that, that liked to take world songs and turn them into the gospel song. That's okay, by the way. He would throw in the word Lord. You know, didn't used to be one. He'd say, you light up my life, Lord. You give me hope. It's all right. Um, a worship service is also not an emotional experience. Uh, music tends to get your emotions going. You can go, me and Mary, and back in 1993, went to the, uh, uh, the fair over on Magnolia, the TBAI fair, I don't remember what they call it now. Anyway, and Joe Diffie was playing there. Joe Diffie, he's dead now. He died from COVID two years ago. But Joe Diffie was the number one artist at the time, and he had he had some little songs. I mean, brought me up beside the jukebox and, and songs like that. And we were there at the fair, and we were sitting up at the top in the grass behind everybody and listening to that. And I, it, I mean, I'm telling you that the music, the beat to those songs, the, the 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 pace of it, it will get you going. It'll get you excited. It'll get your heart pumping. Why do you think they get teenagers in these places, these so-called youth rallies, and they play rock music? Why do you think they do that? It starts the heart pumping. Those drum beats start that, that pumping inside of them. And it's not God doing it. It's the music. It's the influence of those beats. It's the influence of the world's sounds. Because if it sounds just like what they listen to at home and they're watching, I don't know if MTV plays music videos anymore, but they used to. If it's like watching one of those MTV music videos, then why in the world even call it a gospel thing? Why call it a Christian youth rally? Because there's no difference there. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've made somebody mad about that one too. But uh, listen, uh, a worship service is not just an emotional experience. You may have emotions when you worship God. God will get you excited. The Holy Spirit will move inside of you and it'll cause you to do things that you most likely wouldn't have ever done if the Holy Spirit hadn't got hold of you. I've seen some people get up and jump around and run and everything else. My Granny Spencer used to yell at the top of her lungs. She'd wave that hand up and it sounded like a siren going off. She wouldn't do that any other time. But if the Holy Spirit got a hold of her, she would. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen, seen fellas running all over the church and everything else. Uh, but listen, if it's the Holy Spirit, I'm good with that. But if it's some kind of emotional release because you've heard a loud drum beat and, and a rock and roll sound, then there's something wrong right there. It needs to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. People that uh, have a part in the worship service, whether it's a song leader, uh, like Brother Scott, whether it's special singing, whether it's the choir, uh, whether it, whatever it is, anybody that has anything to do with the music, we need to remember that we're here to worship the Lord. 
Everything is about the Lord, to lift up the Lord, to exalt Him, to magnify Him. Now sure, it helps us too. It exalts it, uh, it edifies us. Uh, boy, when those songs started tonight, I started getting all excited about it. I mean, my heart started going. And I was thinking, boy, I, you know, this is just the thing that gets the service started. Right. Is that music? Uh, I don't believe that... It, uh, now, I'm fine with, with music-only services every now and then. That's good. But uh, when your service every Sunday is just a music service, right. and you've had a good service, <laughs> you got to watch out for that. Yeah. Uh, Mary and I visited the church for three or four times. <clears throat> we was looking for a church at the time. And we went to this one church... And all they did was sing, and then they would start all the running around and hugging and crying and blubbering and going all that. They did that every time we went, every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, didn't matter. And we were there one time, and this woman turned around, she says, we're going to have another good service. No preaching! Well, we knew right then, we, we didn't belong there. We never heard that preacher preach, did we? Never heard him preach. He stood, he stood back there and watched the whole thing. He just stayed back there and watched everybody else. Uh, so you've got to be careful when it comes to things like that. Uh, we've we got to realize that there, there's a place for everything. Uh, God is not a God of disorder. He's an orderly God. He expects us to worship Him in a type of order. Uh, it shouldn't be chaos. It shouldn't look like something the devil went to draw together. And so when we do sing the songs, we're exalting the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit moves in and we get excited then that's good. That's so be it. But uh, we shouldn't rely upon the songs being the bread in the service. Uh, open up the Word of God and saying, this is what God says. Yeah. That's what needs to be preached. Uh, I want to end this message tonight by emphasizing how important singing is to the Lord. There are over 1,150 references to music in the Bible. Out of those, 249 are specifically mentioning singing or songs. The Lord Jesus himself sings. Zephaniah 3.17, the Bible says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. And here it is. He will joy over thee with singing. Can you even imagine the Lord rejoicing over you, joying over you with singing? How beautiful that must be. I can't imagine how beautiful it must be to hear the Lord sing. Zephaniah there, he's prophesying about the return of the children of Israel, of course, from captivity, expressing the love that God has for His people and saying this is how much He loves you. He joy over you with singing. Imagine that very God of heaven, the Savior of the world, singing over us. Friends, He loves us. He wants us to enjoy our worship services. He wants us to have joy when we worship Him. And certainly music is a gift, I believe, from God. Yeah. I believe He created music, and I believe He gave it to us as a gift so that we could exalt Him and magnify Him and lift Him up. Why else would He have all those psalms in there, which were actually, they're psalms. They're scriptural psalms. Well, that's what we have for tonight. I know it's not been much in the way of a of the salvation message, but I did want to put the emphasis on the importance of music and the influence that it can have on you, it can have on your church, and uh, just uh, what God says about it. And uh, we'll go ahead and go, go more in prayer. And brother, if you want to get a song, that's, that's good. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you tonight. Thank you for the message.
Lord, I don't know why that you want me to preach this tonight, but God, I know you did. God, it may help somebody in some way. God, if it didn't help anybody in here, it helped me. Reminded myself how much emphasis you put on music, God, and how important it is for us to sing godly Christian music that exalts the name of Jesus, Lord, and edifies the body, God, and, and uh, uh, brings us joy in your name. Lord, I'm praying for all these requests that was made earlier, those that are sick, those that are suffering, those uh, having facing surgeries and and uh, appointments and all these things, God. We, the, the lady that's separated from her family, God, we're praying for her. We're praying for Jimmy, Lord. Uh, those that I may not know their names, God, we're praying for them, Lord. We know you love them. We're just praying your will be done, God, that you'll heal those uh, that need healing. And God, uh, give comfort to those that need comfort. And Lord, may you be glorified in everything. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.